Good to be with you all today. My name is Craig. If you don't know me, I tore my Achilles. We're recovering. And so I don't always preach sitting down, but it's what you get today. It's good to be with you all. If you have a Bible with you, will you turn to Matthew 25? In a moment, we're going to get there together. Uh, we're going to build a little foundation before we get there, but we'll get there. We're in this series called Money Matters. And um, we recognize people have a lot of different opinions about money, the way you feel about money, the way you spend your money. Uh, people have history with money or, or the lack thereof. The way that you grew up, the way that your, your parents or your grandparents or where the, the way that money was treated in your home had an effect on you, probably to some degree, I'd imagine. Uh, the philosophy that the people have of money and how it should be used in society or in individuals' lives. And um, some of you might want money. <laughs> some of you might have some of it. Some of you may have more or less of it. But the reality is that money matters. And so we should talk about it. Now, we recognize, we want you to know we recognize that in the culture we live in right now, it can seem to be a touchy subject in church. It, it just, you know, for whatever reason, it, it, it feels like that when preachers start talking about money, it, it, it feels a little touchy. It feels a little, I don't know, where is he going to go with it? I don't know. Is this going to get prosperity gospel? Is this going to get manipulative? Is this going to get, oh, the church just wants our money? And, um, and so we recognize that that's the case and that people can be particularly skeptical about that. But we also want you to know that the Bible has a lot to say about money. Jesus has a lot to say about money. And there are healthy, good, and biblical ways to use and spend money. And we haven't done a series on money explicitly for at least four years in this church. And so it's a topic that impacts all of our lives. Since the Bible has a lot to say about it, and since we've come to the conclusion that money matters, we felt like we should teach on it. In fact, four years probably is doing you a little disservice since money is something that, every, that affects everybody. And I, I would propose to you that you should desire that godly, healthy, biblical preachers do teach you about money because it's important. So that being said, um, I'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here in this room today. It's not by accident. It's you have a desire for every person. Maybe, maybe people joining us online, they just stumbled across this feed and we just want to commit this time to you. And ask that through your written word and through your spirit that you would speak to us. We don't just invite you into the room, Holy Spirit. We give you the whole room. We don't just invite you into a little part of our heart. We give you our whole heart. We say no to the spirit of mammon. We say no to greed. We say no to any spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. And we say yes to the things of God like love and joy and peace and generosity and giving. And so, Lord, I pray that this would be filled with your heart, the Father heart of God, that you would speak to each one of us as individuals, that you'd speak to families, and you would speak to us as a church what it is that you want us to hear through this subject. In Jesus' name, amen. Money is interesting. Have you ever thought about money? I know you have. You thought about where you're gonna spend it. But have you like really thought about like really thought about it. Like 
this is, this is a little green and white piece of paper. It's actually 25% linen. I learned that this week. Isn't that cool? But what is this little piece of paper actually worth? I mean, it, like the physical materials maybe cost a cent, right? I mean, I don't, I don't really know, but, but the value of this thing is not actually intrinsic. It's based on what it represents. And it represents more than just gold. It, it represents to us the reason why humans have such a value for money and, and why it's so tied to our heart, which, and God is always most concerned with our heart, but why it's so tied to our heart is because it represents something in the past and it represents something in the future. What it represents to us in the past is it's a, the amount of money that we have in our hand is a representation of the time that we've spent in the past. It's a representation of the effort or the energy that we've expended in the past. The money that we have in our hand today reflects to us, sometimes in a true way, sometimes in an untrue way, it reflects to us the value of our work or time or labor in the past. And so in some ways, our heart values money because it's a representation to us of our value based on what we've done in the past. But it also has value to us based on what we're looking forward to in the future. Because if we have money now based on the work of the past, then it gives us a comfort oftentimes or a security in the future. It makes us feel that our future is going to be okay. We're going to be taken care of. It makes us feel that we're going to be able to gain something in the future, either a want or a need. And so because of both of these things and probably much more, this little green and white piece of paper carries a lot of weight in our hearts far beyond the intrinsic value of this little piece of paper. It's because of what it represents. Now, money's interesting in a lot of ways. It's changed over the years throughout every culture and, and different times and generations. Uh, different things have been sort of um, seen as money. You know, they used to trade goods and then, and then coins came about and they used to make the coins out of actual um, you know, metals that were valuable in and of, in and of themselves. And it's just changed throughout time. But like back when Jesus was around, you know, they had different types of money, like denarius. And, uh, that was like a certain coin that would have been a denarius would be like one day's wage for the average worker. So you go and work a whole day, you get a denarius. That's your whole day's wage. And then they had things called talents, which isn't like your abilities. It actually was amount of money. A talent would be like, um, an entire lifetime of day's wages put together. So that's quite a lot of money. Imagine like all the money you ever make in your whole life. Uh, but throughout, throughout times and seasons and cultures, money's changed. Money's changing a lot right now, isn't it? You know, we've gone digital in many ways. I love digital personally. Like I'm all about cash app. I don't, I think Venmo's ridiculous. I don't want anybody else seeing what I'm doing with my money. Nevertheless, we got Venmo, cash app, PayPal, Zelle, everything. I, I send my kid money for her lunch money by texting her on her iPhone. I love it. Does anybody even carry cash anymore? I mean, oh, <laughs> like I don't, I don't really carry cash. Everything's just like Apple Pay, you just cash at me, you know, and then money's changing even more with cryptocurrency and uh, that's fun. 
But let me see again. Who still carries, you, you actually still carry physical cash? Raise your hand. Oh, hello. There's a lot of you. Now I know who's got the money. The problem is, <laughs> the problem is in North Idaho, half y'all have guns too. <laughs> So, like North Idaho people, they're like, yeah, I carry cash because I don't want the government knowing what I'm doing with my money. <laughs> and Jeffrey, that's what crypto's for, right? So ain't nobody know what you're doing with your money. Okay, let's do something fun. I, I saw whose hands went up. In a moment, I'm going to ask one of you for your cash. A lucky person. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to get it back. Okay? And, and if I ask you and you don't want to give it, that's fine. Don't give it. Just pass and I'll find somebody else. Okay? Raise your hand again if you carry cash. <laughs> less hands this time. <laughs> that's a lot less hands this time. <laughs> all of a sudden, the cash just went away. All right. Okay. I see you. It's all right. Um, <laughs> Austin, you raised your hand, right? You, ca- you actually carry cash? You're Gen Z, bro. You got cash in your, in your, on your person right now, in your wallet? Can I have it? Really? Oh. This dude's engaged. Did you ask your fiance? No. I told, I'm not going to give it back to you. Sorry. How much do we got? $60. Wow. Thank you. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Is this everything that you have? Do you have more? Oh, he's got that cell phone stash. That's 40 more. 40 more? And and I can have this. Thank you. That's $100. Cash. Did I mention you're not going to get this back? (laughs) Thanks, man. I wonder why Austin chose to give that money. (laughs) Now, it may have been because he's super generous. That's probably true. It might have also been that he wanted to look really godly in front of you all. (laughs) It might have been, and some of you might be thinking right now, that was super manipulative what you just did, preacher. Because, yeah, you said if you call on somebody, they can pass, but really, who's going to say no in front of everybody? You just twisted his arm. You used your position of spiritual authority to force his hand to give money. That's manipulative. But I could tell you that if you're thinking any of those things, you're wrong. Because none of those reasons are the reason that he gave me this money. I know for a fact. Austin, why'd you give me this money? Did you in the back hear what he said? He said, because it's not mine. You see, I pulled him into the back lobby before service, and I said, 
hey, will you hold on to my $100 for me? And if at some point I ask for it back, will you be willing to give whatever amount I ask for back? And he said, absolutely. And so I want to preach this message to you today called, Because It's Not Mine. Subtitle, I'm Just a Steward. And I could tell you for a fact, when I asked Austin if he was willing to come and give the money that was in his pocket, he didn't sit there and wonder, is this a worthy cause? Well, I don't know. What's the preacher going to do with my money? Can I trust him? He didn't think, oh, this is kind of manipulative, the preacher preaching about money from stage. He didn't ask himself any of those questions. He didn't even consult his fiance. Because it wasn't his money. We were on the same understanding that I gave him my money to hold and he agreed that at such a time as I asked for it back, he would give it back and this happened to be that time. It wasn't hard for him to give me any of the money. I could have asked for 20, I could have asked for 40, I could have asked for 60, I asked for all of it. But it wasn't difficult for him because he was just holding something that didn't belong to him. And I wanna present to you a simple thought today that we are just stewards of God's money. It's not ours. And so in order to get to Matthew 25, we we need to build a little foundation here just in case you don't believe me. And, And this, because this foundation is about far more than just money, it's about everything and it goes back to the very, very beginning. But I wanna start with a few scriptures here. It says this in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein. So everything on the earth belongs to God and all of the people on the earth belong to God is what the scripture says. Next scripture, Psalm 89, 11, the heavens are yours, the earth is also yours, the world and all that is in it. Does that mean everything? That means everything. Why? Because you have founded them. Watch this, you know this scripture, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said. This is how God created everything is just by speaking. When God speaks, things happen. He said, let there be light and there was light. He said, let there be this and there was this. And he speaks and everything comes into being. And so he is the creator of everything. Therefore, the scriptures are arguing that everything belongs to him. And because he speaks everything into creation, he continues to speak and he says things like this. God speaking, every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all of the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. Are you getting the picture? I'm just telling you that God's opinion is that it belongs to him. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. He he, he doesn't need us to sacrifice cows because he's really hungry for for a steak. He, He invites us to sacrifice and to participate with him because he knows what our possessions and our money represents. He doesn't need our food. He doesn't need our little green pieces of paper. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his. If I was hungry, would I tell you? For the world and all its fullness are mine. One more. 
He says it again in Job. Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Like, does he, does he owe us back anything? Whatever is under the whole of heaven is mine. Are you, are you picking up his opinion? His opinion is that it all belongs to him. His opinion is that he speaks, he creates, and so the whole of creation is his. He's the owner. His opinion is that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. So if you have cattle on a thousand hills, even though you think it's yours, it's his. If you have one cow on one hill, it's his. If you have a house, it's his. If you have two or three houses, it's, they're his. If you've got two little five pound cuddly little poodles that like to sleep with you at night, Jessica, they're his. If you've got a little cat, well, that, that belongs to the devil. That's not his. You can have that. <laughs> everything else though, everything else is his. <laughs> even in the beginning, he creates and he puts Adam and Eve in the garden and he says, here is where you will dwell. Now I'm entrusting to you to work it and to keep it. Be fruitful and multiply. From the very beginning, whether it be to do with our land, our work, our money, we've always been stewards of what belongs to him because it's not mine. Which brings us to Matthew 25. And where we're picking up here is, is very interesting because this is right before uh, the end of this gospel. And this is the last parable that Jesus is telling and it's the last one of actually, I think 12 or 13 in this gospel where he's describing what the kingdom of God is like. You'd find seven of these in Matthew 13 and then a few others spread throughout. And in this chapter, we find the last one and he's literally describing the kingdom of heaven. And you'll notice that he's not talking about faith. He's not talking about salvation. He's not talking about forgiveness. He's not talking about the cross. He's not talking about joy and peace and love and the, the, the pearly white gates. And he's not talking about angels in the sky. He's not talking about any of that. His last parable to describe the kingdom of God, he's talking about money. It's very interesting. Now, before we start reading, I just want to point this out about parables. We know that Jesus teaches in parables often. It's a story or an allegory that represents something else. Now, what we often have been taught is that he'll teach in parables to make something simpler for a certain people group to understand. So, you know, we teach kids in Sunday school, oh, well, Jesus was talking to farmers. So he talked about farming and it was easier for them to understand talking about the seed. And if he's talking to fishermen, then he'll tell a story about fishing and that's, they can understand it. And you know what? Some, sometimes that is true, but it is also true that Jesus teaches in parables in order to cover up the truth. Did you know that? We don't talk about this very often, but it's true. We think he's telling parables just to make it simpler, but he actually quotes Isaiah and he says, his disciples say, why are you speaking in parables? And he says, because having eyes, they do not see and ears, they do not hear. They will not understand. In some ways, 
It's a very scary thing. But here's the thing, as Westerners, we think very different than they used to think in the East, than the Hebrew mindset. We think a good teacher is gonna lay out all the facts and make it really easy for us to just grab and understand. Just feed us the answers, teacher. That's not how he thought. That's not how they thought. A good teacher, a good Hebrew teacher would lead you around a field and hint at where the treasure is. And if you really desired it, you would go and sell everything you had and buy that field and dig up the treasure because you were pursuing it. That's the point of parables. And so I pray today that you would have eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would. All right, Matthew 25. Let's read this together. This is his last parable, talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It says, for it will be like, we know that it is the kingdom of God. We know that if you look at verse one of chapter 25, he literally says, for the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells a parable, and then he continues, for it will be like, and he tells another parable. This is, the, this is the one, this is the last one. So he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. He's describing for us through a story he's making up what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a man going on a journey who called, watch this, his servants and entrusted to them his property, So whose servants were they? His. Whose property was it? His. And what did he do with his property to his servants? He entrusted it to them. He didn't give it to them. He didn't say, now you're the owner of the $100, Austin. He said, Austin, will you hold my $100? Will you multiply my $100? Will you give me what I asked for back when I asked for it back? Is there anybody that's a servant of God in the house? Okay, so that means you belong to him. So they're his servants, it was his property, and he entrusted it to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent. And all the Americans said, well, that's not fair. (laughs) No, not everybody gets the same thing in life. Not everybody has the same amount of money in life. Not everybody has the same amount of gifting. Not everybody has the same amount of ability in life. He gave to each according to his ability. Now let's talk about this talents. I mentioned it earlier. It is just, it just happens to work out that our word for talent, you know, you think of a gift, skill, or ability, like an ability that you have to do something. Oh, you're talented at music or academics or athletics or something. You're talented. But that's not what this word means. This word means a certain amount of money. This was a physical amount of money. It'd be like if I said, I gave you a million dollars. That's a certain amount of money. For them in their time, a denarius was one day's wage. A talent was uh, worth, and there's basically two schools of thought here, and, and I think that it's one, I think that it's, I'll just present them to you. Basically, all theologians agree that a talent is either 6,000 denarii or 10,000 denarii. It's one of the two of those. I think that it's 10,000, but if I'm wrong, it doesn't really matter. The point is this, that 10,000 denarii or a talent, if you do the math, it literally equals the amount of money that you would make in your entire career if you were a common laborer, working every single year, taking off Sabbath and all of the holidays that they had. If you worked for 33 years and retired at 50, you would have earned a talent of money if it was silver. If it was gold, it'd be worth 10 times that amount. Nevertheless, whether or not it's an entire lifetime of earnings or if it's half of a lifetime of earnings, 
uh, that's still a lot of money. So just imagine all the money that you're gonna make in your entire life. That's one talent, okay? So that's a lot. So to one guy, he gives five lifetimes of earnings. To another guy, he gives two lifetimes of earnings. And to the third guy, he gives his entire lifetime of earnings, each according to their ability. He entrusted it to him. And then he went away. And he would receive the five talents, went at once and traded with it. In other words, he did business. He put what was entrusted to him to work. And he made five more talents. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he would receive the one talent, went and dug it, dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Yet again, another way we, reason we know that this parable is about money. He went and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, remember, this is a story that Jesus is making up to make point. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled his accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made, made five talents more. And his master said to him, watch this, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, I will make you over much. That's interesting that God calls five lifetimes of money little. It just might be that in God's opinion, what we think is really valuable and worth a lot might not be worth that much in comparison to the kingdom. Like it, it just might be that if you were entrusted your entire lifetime of earnings right now, that that actually wouldn't be worth that much in comparison to how you're going to steward and treat his, his uh, ownership of it and what is valuable in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of people in our culture today that are trading their soul for millions and billions of dollars. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how much money you gain, what property you gain, what prestige, what platform you gain. There is absolutely nothing that you could exchange in this life that is more valuable than your soul in eternity. God doesn't view it the way we view it. Next one. He also had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made you two more talents. So he also took what was entrusted to him and he multiplied it and he returns it. And yet again, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little and I will set you now over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I like that he added that with the second guy and not the first guy. Just yet again, maybe goes to show that God's not so concerned with the amount. It doesn't matter if it's a lot or a little. He's concerned with how are we stewarding what we do have. Let's see what happens with this last guy. He who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Huh. Reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you, you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what's yours. I didn't lose any of it. Here you go. But his master answered him. Now remember, this is Jesus's story that he's making up to talk about the kingdom of God. And he says, 
You're a wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Hello. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds serious to me. It's interesting that Jesus would choose as his last parable to describe the kingdom of God to talk about money, stewarding money, what you're doing with it. Are you multiplying it? Are you being faithful with what's been entrusted to you? And so just a few points in closing. This is just yet one of many times that Jesus talks about money. One of many in regards to the kingdom of God. And he's talking about it, understand this, because these things are tied to our heart. He does not care about getting your paper. He cares about your heart. And he knows what the paper represents in our heart. And so he has an opinion about it. He knows that it's tied to you based on what it's meant for you in the past and what it represents for you in the future. And what he wants for you is to trust him and to be entrusted with his belongings. And the same is true for us. I serve God with my money because it's not mine. I'm just a steward. Number two, he gave to each according to their ability, differing amounts. It's true. Not everybody has the same abilities in this room in any sense. Not everybody has the same ability to make money. Not everybody has the same amount of money. But the way that God is looking at you is not you in comparison comparison to the person next to you. It's not about how much you have. It's about are you being faithful with what you do have? Whether you have a dollar, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, or a million dollars in your possession, are you being faithful with the amount you do have? I need to serve God with the amount given to me because it's not mine. I'm just a steward of it, no matter how much it is that he gave me. Number three, he expected them to steward his money because... They were his servants and it was his money. His opinion is that everything in this earth belongs to him. And earlier I asked, are you a servant of God? And many of you raised your hand. And so if you are a servant of God, that means that everything you have belongs to him, including your money. But by the way, it's about way more than that. It's about your time. It's about your effort and what you work for. It's about your words and how you spend them. Everything in this life, he's the owner, we're the steward. But I do find it interesting, and we've all heard this verse before. Many of us have quoted it before. Well done, good and faithful servant. Did you know that that 
statement right there doesn't show up anywhere else in the Bible other than this parable. This is where it comes from. He didn't say, well done, good and faithful evangelist. Well done, good and faithful disciples. Well done, good and faithful bishop. Well done, good and faithful missionary, pastor, preacher. He didn't say, well done, good and faithful, any of those things. He's talking about stewarding money. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little. Money is but a little thing to God. You've been faithful in little. I will not put you over much. What is your relationship with these little green pieces of paper? Do you steward them or do they control you? Do you hold on tight to them and and wonder, you know, should I give? Am I going to give? Or do you see yourself as just a steward of something that doesn't belong to you? I'm telling you, there is so much freedom in receiving the philosophy, the theological truth that you're just a steward. Austin didn't wrestle in inside with whether or not he was gonna give me this money. He didn't have toil over it. He wasn't worried, well, how am I gonna pay the bills though? How am I gonna put gas in my tank though? He, he, none of that ran through his mind because in this case, he knew he was just holding something that didn't belong to him. But the reality is, that's our whole life. And when we're the owners, we have to worry about the upkeep of the whole system. But when we're stewards, we get to put all of that weight on the true owner. And so I really came to ask you a simple question. Are you stewarding what God has entrusted to you? Do you see yourself as a steward of the finances that you have, whether a lot or little? How are you stewarding God's money? It's about more than money though. I'll give you a few. How are you stewarding your body? Your health? God's entrusted to you this temple and he lives in it. Are you just trading it like I can just do whatever I want with it? Or are you, do you have the view, the philosophy, the mindset, I'm stewarding something that doesn't belong to me? Paul even talks about this. He says, my body is not my own. I was bought at a price. He's specifically talking about sexual immorality in that passage. If you're living in sexual immorality, you're not stewarding your temple well. How about this? How are you stewarding your time? It's not your time. It's his time. And by the way, he can choose to end your time any moment he desires. But he continues to give you time and he's asking, will you use the time that I'm giving you, multiply it and give it back to me? How are you stewarding your actual talents other than your money, your gifts, your skills, your abilities, the anointing that God's put on your life? How about this? How are you stewarding the last prophetic word that you got? 
I had a young lady just last night after the gathering come up to me and we, we were talking and she said, I know that God has uh, entrusted to me the gift of the prophetic and I have not been stewarding that gift. I've kept it silent for one year. And so I, I came here today to talk to you about money, but it's actually about so much more. God has given you actual talents and he expects you to steward them. And just like in the very beginning, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Just like in the parable of the talents, they multiplied the money. What he expects of us as the owner is that he would give us gifts, skills, and abilities that we will take those and we'll cultivate them, we'll multiply them, and we'll give them back to him. And one of the ways that he likes us to give back to him our gifts and abilities is by serving humanity with them. What are you doing with your gifts and abilities? How are you stewarding your influence? Whether you have a lot of it or a little of it. Some of us have a lot of money. Some of us have a little money. Some of us have a lot of influence. Some have a little influence. Nevertheless, everybody probably has some. How are you stewarding the influence that you've been given? Last one, how are you stewarding the relationships in your life? Your marriage, your kids, your coworkers, your friends. Those are all things that God has given you. It's not just your wife, dude. That's God's daughter who he's entrusted to you. How are you stewarding her? That's God's son who he's entrusted to you to be married for this life. How are you stewarding that relationship? Those are God's kids. How are you stewarding them? I should honor God with my money because it's not mine. I'm just a steward. I should honor God with my time because it's not mine. I'm just a steward. I should honor God with every breath that comes out of my mouth and every word that I speak because they're not mine, they're his. I should honor God with my effort and my energy and my whole life because my life is not mine, it's his. We're just stewards. How about you?